and welcome to Kinship Connects, a podcast from SDA Kinship. We invite you to join us as we share our stories and our journeys. My name is Floyd Pönitz, and after a short, brief uh, hiatus with Kinship Connects, we're back. And today it's my privilege to speak with Jay Wintermeyer. Thanks for joining us and sharing with us today. My pleasure. Great. How are you, Jay? I'm doing really well. Good. Good. Here in the Northwest, we're just starting to get our first taste of summer. It's warming up and it's really great. Okay. Well, what does summer mean for you? Because we've been having 100 and 103 degrees here. No, it, hit, it hit 72 degrees today. So. Oh. oh, wow. Wow. My, my heart bleeds for you. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Cool. Uh, I'm excited about this. And um, I know we've been talking about this for a little while, and so good to have you online with us today. Uh, tell us a little bit, you said Northwest, so tell us a little bit about where you're at, what's going on in your life today, and then we will kind of jump back after that. So I live in the Portland, Oregon area, uh, just over the river in Washington. Uh, beautiful Northwest. I've lived uh, in the Northwest for many years. Uh, in the Spokane area and most recently here in Portland and I would say my heart is kind of firmly settled in the northwest. Wow wow great with, with those temperatures in the summer I, I, I can understand that <laughs> that is good so did but you didn't grow up there is that correct or did you? Uh, no I did not grow up uh, in the northwest I was born on the east coast uh, lived several different places uh, uh, Georgia, Florida, Ohio. And then when I was 11, my parents moved to the Dominican Republic, worked as missionaries. And when I was 14 and a sophomore, I moved back uh, to the Oregon area, Portland area, and attended Milo Academy um, and then Walla Walla University after that. Wow. Wow. You have uh, jumped around a bit. Uh, Dominican Republic, that, that caught my interest. That sounds interesting as a what you were a young teenager at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. How how was that? I, I was on vacation in the Dominican Republic uh, in December, so it was it was quite interesting. The beaches are great. It, it's a beautiful country. The people are wonderful, and it was a great place. I enjoyed my time there. Um, my parents worked at an orphanage, uh, so it was a great opportunity to to learn Spanish um, and to enjoy a different culture. I got a taste of exploring the world at that time, which I still have to this day. I look, I enjoy travel, love traveling. Um, it was a good experience. Yeah, good. Have, have you ever been back since then? I've been back once. I believe it was my senior year in high school I went back for a trip with my senior class. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up very Adventist. Are you like second generation Adventist? People I, always like a pedigree. I believe I'm you know, fourth, I'm, at least fourth generation Adventist. On fourth. One side, um, wow. Third generation on another side. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you're true blue Adventist some, there. Some, some deep roots. Um, the haystacks are firmly planted in my DNA. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's great. So are you an only child or did you have siblings? 
uh, two siblings, well, three siblings, two living, and um, mm -hmm. yeah, I am the oldest of three. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay, okay, great, great. So yeah, so the question is a lot of people want to know when you first realize that you might be different. And for some that's really early and for some that's later on in life. When did, when did it come to you? It's definitely been a process, but I remember being attracted to men probably about three years old. So oh. there, was, there was some level of interest from very early on. Okay. Um, and then for me, it was a, a journey up until 2020, where I really fully felt whole, authentic, this is who I am and God loves me and that's okay. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, coming to the point of, of accepting um, my homosexuality and being comfortable with that took a long time. Just growing up in a very conservative, uh, I'll say even fundamental, um, Adventist home, mm -hmm. uh, and then just everything that goes along with growing up in an Adventist environment, Adventist schools, everything we're taught about marriage um, and sexuality uh, really uh, made me feel broken as a, as a person for a long, long, long time. Did you share your feelings with anyone? Did you tell anyone that you trusted or was this something you just kept inside for all those years? I was very circumspect. I told very few people. Mm -hmm. I did speak to a high school counselor when I was probably in my junior year. Um, they told me that I couldn't be a Christian and be gay. Okay. God wouldn't love me. But this was an Adventist counselor or yeah. yeah. Okay. I um, came out to a few friends in high school, mm -hmm. but very few people um, and very few adults. Okay. Okay. And your parents, you didn't uh, mention it to oh, them? No. no. <laughs> okay. I didn't come out to my parents until October of 2020. I see. So was your dad uh, like a leader in the church? Uh, obviously. Uh, he was very involved in the church as far as the local church level, uh, never anything at a conference level. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So that, that must have been rough keeping this secret deep inside of you. Uh, for all those years. So I, I know that you got married at some point. Was this uh, fairly early after college or? Uh... So because of the background that I grew up in, I didn't feel um, that homosexual being gay was um, anything other than a sin. You know, I, I didn't believe that it was an option for me to just be. I had to rid myself of that, um, that spot, so to speak. Um, in college, I thought that if I would get married to a woman and pray hard, that 
I would be fixed. You know, all these desires and, you know, the lust would go away. Okay. Uh, I met a beautiful woman. She had wonderful family. And I thought this, this could work. Mm -hmm. um, she and I had a very frank discussion before we were married. I believe we were engaged um, at the time, but um, we had a, a frank discussion about my sexuality. Wow. And she said, you know, everybody struggles. So um, with something. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you, it's homosexuality. You know, I have anger issues. So um, I'm willing to to be your partner in this battle. Mm -hmm. okay. And they believed that I could change. We believed that um, this was something that I could overcome. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, before this, had you gone to any, like, reparative or, or changed ministries or anything? Okay, nothing like that. Wow. Good. Okay, okay. I'm really grateful that that was not something that was part of my journey. Yeah, um, yeah. But having said that, um, the the way that the church spoke about marriage really was a form of um, I'll just say spiritual abuse, because it kept me and my um, wife to be in a place where we thought we had to do and act a certain way. Uh, we thought that I could be changed, and that wasn't the case. No matter how hard I prayed, no matter how hard I tried. So we were engaged, we got married, and we were together um, about 28 years. Wow, wow. <laughs> Jumping ahead, all those 28 years, were you still praying the prayer for, because I remember my prayers I didn't last 28 years, but I remember my prayers to the very end of, okay, God, I, I, I've done my part. You know, I got married. Now you do your part. Please change me. Please do something, you know, whatever. And that was the daily prayer. Was yours similar to that? Or did you stop praying at some point and say, hey, this is my lot? At some point I stopped praying, um, but it was... Uh, probably not until 2015. We got married in, in 94. Okay. Uh, you know, that church narrative on sexuality kept me so locked inside the closet. Um, I confessed my sins to the church elders and asked them to anoint me. I got rebaptized. I went to counseling, you know, prayed. I had, uh, oh, what did they call it? A, a partner to keep you honest. Oh, okay. A sponsor, almost like an yeah. AA or something, you know? Yeah. Okay. I had a really good friend who was uh -huh. my accountability partner. Accountability. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it never, I never changed. God never, you know, touched me with a lightning bolt and, and instantly I was, suddenly straight. Um, and so with each unanswered prayer to find a cure, to be um, rid of that sin, um, I just was farther and farther from God, deeper into the darkness. And eventually you just stop praying, you stop um, 
you lose hope. And I was in a very dark place, a very uh, lonely place um, where I just didn't want to live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were you still thinking at that point that it was a sin and, you know, you were going to be lost for eternity because of this? Up until about 2016, I did feel that way. And then I really just uh, decided I am going to look at this closely. Okay. And I started, I started studying. And it took from 2016 all the way to 2020 mm-hmm. for me to really dig through and look through the issues and see what scripture really says and what it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. about human sexuality and to come to a point where I really was at peace with who I am with God and feeling like um, I can be a Christian and I can be gay those things can co- coexist mm-hmm. beautifully and wonderfully uh, because it really was important for me um, growing up in in, a, in an environment where the Bible it's sola scriptura where it's the Bible and nothing but the Bible, that's the rule of faith. So, and I still believe that, honestly, um, but I wanted, uh, I had this dichotomy with who I am and what the church said, the Bible says. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I had to work through that to a point where I, for myself, had peace. Okay. Good. Yeah, it sounds like there were a few more people in the know as this process went on uh, that you shared, pe- you know, shared your your journey with and and your your plight, so to speak, at that point. Uh, but you were still. The Bible still says man should not lie with man, and until you've really studied that and and all the other the scriptures, uh, it was still a, a struggle for you. So yeah, so so what kind of resources did you go to? I mean, how did you how did you do the study? I started online just looking up what other people have done, reading research, I listened to lots and lots of podcasts. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would venture to say when you first got married, Google wasn't uh, out there and podcasts were a thing of the future. So uh, <laughs> maybe you had to wait for technology to catch up to help you with this journey and process, huh? You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm glad that I had the... the the experiences and the time with my wife. I don't regret that. Uh, both of us um, looking back, we certainly would do things differently today had we known what we know now. Right, right. Um, but, you know, it took it, it, it was a journey and you know my timeline was different from some others um sure was there one resource or book or person that you talked to that maybe just helped that final click that it's like oh now i i get it 
the thing that probably opened my eyes the most um, outside of um, scripture study was a an episode of Queer Eye where they featured a transgendered um, man. Mm-hmm. And somehow that that story, their story, um, opened my heart to see the spectrum of human sexuality. It's not just male or female. There is a huge spectrum. Um, and if the spectrum contains transgender people, there's got to be room for me on that spectrum as a gay man. Right. And for some reason, that just clicked and allowed my mental, it allowed me to relax into who I was enough to really dig in more and study. Mm -hmm. I think when I ran across that, that was about 2017. Mm -hmm. And then I continued studying um, a couple of resources. There's one, Scripture Ethics and the Possibility of Same-Sex Relationships by Karen Keene. Okay. Um, That's a really powerful resource that, to me, um, helped open up um, what scriptures say. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to think of some of the other... um, blogs and and podcasts um there's been so many that uh, sure it's hard to point to a lot of them yeah and that's the blessing today there are a lot of resources out there for the person searching mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah it's not a void like it used to be um so not to put not to put uh, words in your your ex-wife's, now ex-wife's uh, mouth or anything like that, but I mean, was she tracking with you? Was she kind of going this journey? Or how did she feel that all these prayers, and I'm sure she was praying as well, uh, you know, for you, uh, because I'm sure she, she loved you very much. You know, is there anything you can share without betraying confidence that you know how she felt about this whole thing as being the the straight spouse who wished she could do something to help you well that would be her story and i right, I right. let her speak in, in sure. um, for herself okay i think what what i can say is that in uh, 2020 um a friend shared a blog post about Josh and Lolly Weed, who were a mixed orientation marriage okay. couple um, from a Mormon background. Mm. And I read the post, I started to read the post. Um, and my wife and I were sitting in the same room at the time, and I just broke down and I started weeping because the story so closely aligned with with my story um my wife and i had conversations throughout the years um and she was definitely praying for me through the years Mm -hmm. um 
but it got to a point where it was just so painful and I was in such a dark place that um, something had to change. And reading that blog post and hearing their journey and what brought them to the point of deciding to, to end their marriage. Um, and the way they described how the homosexuality um, was a form of being unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. and, and there I'm probably using my own words to describe it, but that's how I put it and how I word it. Okay. Um, that it was an underlying decay that was just eating away at the marriage. And while the surface looked good, underneath it was just falling apart. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was my experience. And I think that was our experience. I think I can safely say that, that um, for both of us. Mm -hmm. And reading that post together, crying our way through that, um, talking about it over the next several weeks, um, brought us to the point where we decided we needed to transition to friends. Okay. So in 2020, we, um, we transitioned to friends and then made moves to file for divorce. Okay, so it was, it was fairly mutual then. Yes. But not easy, but, I'm no. sure. Yeah. I mean, 28 years is a big investment and uh, I know there are people in, in church who would not understand, who would look at it and say, well, you've done 28 years, you know, just why can't you just keep going, living as friends and not dissolving the marriage, but just staying married and just be platonic friends. But that isn't really a, a fair option, is it? It really isn't a fair option to, when you're in this situation, when you're in a marriage, in a mixed orientation marriage, uh, it isn't fair to either partner right and right. we just found our relation i just found our i'll speak for myself found our relationship um becoming more and more fragile mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're best friends and that was really painful yeah yeah and um i'm just so grateful for my ex-wife's love for God and love for me in a way that allowed me to uh, accept who I am and live authentically, even if that meant ending our marriage, mm -hmm. painful as that has been. Right, 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 right. The question that I get a lot is, were there any children? We have a daughter by choice. Okay. She joined our family when she was in high school. Cool. Um, she has one uh, one son and another little girl on the way in August. So wow. So grandpa. Uh, grandpa. Huh? Wow. Congratulations. That's great. That's great. And how was she during this whole thing? Was that supportive, understanding, or? She and her husband have been very loving and supportive. Um, when I came out to them that the year that we decided we were going to get divorced, uh -huh. um, they, 
I'm just so grateful because not everyone has this experience with their yeah. children. Yeah. But my daughter and son-in-law just said, you know, we love you. You're always welcome in our home. You're always part of going to be part of our family. And that has remained the case. And I'm just so, so cool. incredibly grateful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you had an extra layer of pressure during all these years and and that was employment and is that something you're willing to touch on or talk a little bit about just the challenges of that that there was a lot of pressure and working for a church for the church um, in a leadership role is incredibly lonely because you don't feel i didn't feel like i could speak to anyone Mm -hmm. um I began my career after college working in Christian radio. I built a radio station and managed that for several years. And then I moved and worked with Adventist Frontier Missions and did documentary film production for them and worked as their communication director. And, and then I worked at the conference level and the union level as communication director. Wow. Uh, Columbia Conference, and then most recently, uh, until the end of May, um, at the North Pacific Union as the assistant to the president for communications and also the Gleaner editor. Mm -hmm. And that definitely adds a layer of, of pressure um, because the church narrative um, doesn't allow for um, the LGBT community to be part of leadership of any um role in church employment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you had to sort of live a double life even though you were kind of getting your act together on one side the other part of your day was still spent as uh the happily married heterosexual jay <laughs> so is that right i would say there was a double life um, or the feeling of a double life up until um, I came to peace with who I am. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't feel like there was a double life because I was living my life. Um, I was honest with myself and the people that mattered to me, um, who I was. And when I say the people that mattered to me, um, that would be my, my immediate family and my close friends. Right. I did not inform my employers. I informed them that I was, had gotten a divorce, um, but I did not go any further than that. Um, at the same time, I was looking for work because I knew that it is not a safe space to stay employed. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed what I did. I was um, recognized nationally for the quality of work that I do, but it was not a long-term thing. And in fact, um, I was really, really uh, eager to be out of, of church work because um, I was having a hard time working for an organization that is not affirming. And by my staying, in a sense, I was supporting that oppression. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. 
So you've used a lot of past tense in the last couple sentences. Uh, I take it that that job has come to an end? Yes, that job did come to an end. Um, in May, an anonymous letter was sent to the union leadership informing them that I am a gay man and outed me. And then uh, my boss, uh, John Friedman, confronted me and with the letter and asked me if it was true or not. Wow, and wow. Why would I, anyone write a letter like that? I can't get inside the head of the person. I can just say from listening to the way uh, people in our church talk about the LGBT community, uh, people like Ted Wilson in his sermons, um, they feel there is no place for us in the Adventist church. You think that person was showing their love for you when they wrote that letter or they were doing justice to God? You know, I think they were, they felt like they were doing their, their Christian duty and cleansing the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately their act of cowardice um, is really disappointing. And the fact that our church um, operates that way or that countenances anonymous letters, whether it's the letter that cost me my career with the church or, you know, letters that go to, to pastors about um, unholy food at potluck. <laughs> right, right. It's still the same attitude. Um, that it does not exhibit Christ's attitude of love toward others. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Wow, so those were some rough times, but uh, you look like you've gotten over, you've survived it. Um, yes, I, the, I'll just say I, I chose to resign rather than to be terminated. Um, and it was made very clear that I they wanted me out of the way as quickly as possible. Um, they didn't want any uh, hiccups in the upcoming constituency session or any uncomfortable moments or discussions um, in the constituency session. And so... Um, Had your job performance changed from one day to the other? drastically yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what changed in the only thing that changed was a piece of knowledge about my private life that had been there for all these years already yeah yeah wow and they loved you prior to this revealing yep and uh now they still love you but they thought it was their christian duty to uh remove you from that position yeah yeah, that I find totally sad, totally, totally unchristian-like. But I, I would love to still be working for the Adventist Church because I feel like our church, um, I had a lot to give when it comes to raising the bar in the area of communications. Right, right. Um, I've always enjoyed that, and I um, felt challenged by that work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, at the same time... I am 
happy to say that um, one door closes and another opens. And Good. Good. the American Heart Association is welcoming me with open arms. Uh, as <laughs> the they will speaker. receive the blessing that the church is no longer going to receive from you. <laughs> yeah. so I, I've been offered a are invited to be serve as the communication and marketing director for the American Heart Association in Oregon. So awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, congratulations. That's great. That's great. Um, did that change anything in your attitude to the church or your outlook or connection with, you know, every Sabbath, whatever, I don't know? Um, has it changed my outlook, you know, as far as getting, um, losing my job or? As far as losing your job or feeling that the church expected you to get married or do something, you know, way back when uh, there was no other alternative to, to um, being a gay man. Uh, you know, looking back on all that, do you think that your church or your relationship to the church not to god necessarily but to the church has suffered because of their actions well i think what i would like to say in this moment is that we need to move the needle toward a more inclusive and compassionate church and i i say that as um toward all Christianity, because the Adventist church is one among many who still are struggling with how to relate to human sexuality in a, in a what I consider a Christ-like fashion. Okay. Um, I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is that every human is beautiful and that we need to start recognizing the image of God in all persons. Mm -hmm. um, I went through my life thinking that I was broken and sinful and no one should have to go through that, go through life in a way that makes them feel um, that they are evil for nothing that they did, nothing that they chose, mm -hmm. or simply how they were created in the womb. Yeah, exactly. And anyone who is struggling like i was or questioning they need to know that you are loved by god no matter what you are loved just as you are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's what i hope people hear from me right now in this moment um am i upset that i lost my job that i can't work with the adventist church anymore i'm disappointed in the church uh -huh. sad um I'm not surprised. Uh, I, I, I wish it was different. Yeah. But at this moment in time, I recognize that there is a lot to do. There's a lot of education that has to take place corporately to be at a place where we can be in, a, where the Adventist church can be an inclusive, um, mm -hmm. loving church toward all people. Right, right. Um, yeah. We, and, go ahead. We, we can't even be at a place where we can have women in leadership. I mean, you look at the most recent general conference and who was elected. Yeah. And that's appalling just with women, let alone the LGBT community. So we have a long way to go. 
And, uh, yeah. In 28 years, you know, kinship's been around for 40 years. You were married for 28. One would hope that at least within those 28 years that there would have been some significant movement. Uh, I just came back from Lexington, Kentucky from the called convention there with 5,000 pastors. And I got to see and hear a lot. And it's amazing how much misinformation is still out there. As you said, Ted Wilson propagates a lot of that. We saw that at General Conference just recently. And uh, yeah, the things I heard coming out of pastors' mouths, I just shook my head and uh, there were tears, yeah. Uh, but from others, we have some wonderful allies. And so that was, you know, we have some great people out there who are rooting for us, standing up for us. So that's good to see. But uh, yeah, we have we have a lot a lot of work to do. Um, when did you first hear about kinship? Since this kinship uh, connects, uh, we want to connect kinship into this story. And uh, I first heard about kinship, I believe, when I was in college at Walla Walla University back wow. in the early nineties. Um, okay. Okay. But I, at that point, was so. Um, locked into the feeling that I had to change, that I never connected with kinship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't uh, do so until I think January of this year, probably. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in December or January. So it's been fairly recent that I reconnected. Right. And really started um, looking at the resources and the community mm-hmm. that um, kinship has formed. Uh, I have to say I'm so proud and grateful for the work that you and and others at Kinship have done through the years Mm -hmm. to make um, a safe place for people who feel like they don't have any other church home. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so I'm happy that you heard about it way back in Walla Walla days. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, to, to... to bring this kind of wrap this up, I think there's a happy ending to this story. And do you want to share kind of what your life looks like now? I mean, you know, are you, you're, you're divorced? So in 2020, I divorced. Um, and that has been a really um, good step in in my life but at the same time a really difficult one a lot of grieving um, over over the loss of the marriage Um, a growing time to figure out ways to stay friends with my ex-wife because that's um, very important to both of us Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time I believe that God has brought a wonderful person into my life um, in after after my wife and I transitioned to friends, I was talking to a counselor to my counselor, and he said, "You mentioned this person, Craig, a lot um, and I yeah, we talk, we text um 
And he said, have you ever thought about long-term, like having a relationship, dating this person? And it's like, no, I mean, he's my hiking partner. We've, you know, when I lived in Spokane, we'd go hiking together, but I really haven't considered that. And he said, I, there's a lot of commonalities and, and things there that have a, long, a long-term relationship possibility and stability that maybe you should think about. Um, and so thinking through that um, for several months, um, I decided to explore that and began seeing what a relationship, um, long-term relationship with a man would look like. Mm -hmm. And um, Obviously, there was interest on his side as well. There was interest on <laughs> that, his that side. helps. <laughs> um, we both come from uh, uh, previous marriages to women and uh, with children, and so there's there's a lot of commonality there. Um, but long story short, um, Craig and I were just recently married. Wow! And, um, Congratulations. <laughs> there is a happy ending. Good. Good. That is nice. That is nice. I can see it on the smile on your face that, uh, yeah, there's there's happiness there. And uh, all those years of unsurety and despair and, you know, hey, God, what what's going to happen next? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a good, you're at a good place now. New job, great relationship. Yeah, yeah. So happy to hear Definitely that. Definitely grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good to hear. Well, we wish you much happiness, lots of good luck, many blessings, all of that. And um, maybe we can do a follow-up, you know, uh, podcast at some point to check in with you and, and see how life is with the, with the new job and, and all of that. So that is great. Uh, any, any other words of wisdom? I know you've shared a few about, you know, new people coming out, kids coming out, um, you know, do you advise them to take the marriage route uh, to see if that works or, <laughs> or uh, you know, do you have anything to, to share with, with other kinship members or people watching? I had a friend sit me down in college and uh, try to convince me that I didn't need to get married. And um, they didn't have all of the, the Bible research at their fingertips mm -hmm. that I think is available today. Right. Um, and maybe they did, and I just didn't hear them speaking to mm -hmm. me in that, in that moment. But I firmly believe that God created each of us uniquely and beautifully. Mm -hmm. And there's a place for each of us to serve um, uh, humanity, whether that's in the church or out of the church, um, just as we are. And God created us to love and to be loved. And for me, that knowledge is very freeing. Wow. And uh, when, when we transitioned to friends, my wife uh, at the time, she said, she looked at me, I think we were out walking, and she said, you are more at peace now than I've ever seen you in all of our years married. Mm. 
Mm. And I, I'm really grateful for that because to know that God loves you, that you aren't broken, that, um, that is very freeing and, um, liberating to just to be, um, a whole person and being a whole person finally feels incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell, I can tell it's written all over your face. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day I can have your, your ex-wife on here and have her tell her story. Uh, She's very articulate, and if she would agree, it would be a great story. Yeah, because I think the the straight spouse also has a story to share, and one that we need to hear and and honor and acknowledge. So, so yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure hearing your story, and I know our listeners will enjoy it as well. And uh, so, in conclusion, I just want to say thanks for sharing with us today. And we hope that today's podcast was interesting and has given our listeners some things to think about. Seventh-day Adventist Kinship is the only LGBTQIA affirming community for current and former Adventists. And we welcome not only the Rainbow Alphabet members, but also parents, family members who want to learn more about how to support their loved ones, and uh, as well as supportive allies who stand with us to make a difference in our church and our world. You can always check us out on the web at sdakinship.org. Follow us on social media at SDA Kinship. And the Unclobber book is still available if you're interested in finding out more about what those texts actually are talking about, as Jay did earlier. Uh, you can go to the website and go to sdakinship.org forward slash unclobber and order a free copy of the book. Uh, If you have any questions, email me, info at sdakinship.org. Or if you have a comment for Jay, you can send it to that address, and I'll be sure and forward it to him. So we look forward to having you with us on the next podcast release. Take care, and remember that God loves you unconditionally. Have a good day. Bye-bye.